Today on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, we've worked ourselves into a shoot. Or a work shoot. Or shoot, we're just working. It's a shoot, brother. Yes, yes, yes it is. Famous, controversial moments and matches in wrestling that have been perceived as shoots. But are they really? Plus... America's Game returns. Yes, the Dirt Sheet Shuffle is back, as well as your promo about nothing and so much more. But first, tell him, George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dimension? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing episode 106 presented by BDARadio.com. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me, as always, is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars, now a Ring of Honor wrestler. And he is, until further notice, the irresistible force. He is still the immovable object. He is uh, sitting on eggs like a mother hen, the kingpin, <laughs> Brian Malonis. What's going on, Mike? How are you? I'm doing well. Yourself? I'm all right. I'm all right. Do we have a confirmation of the Inside Edition spot yet? Uh, not an exact date, but I did get a approximate time frame. It would be like the end of May. i uh, got a little funny story about, if we have time, Mike, about Inside Edition here. We always have time for you. <laughs> all right. So they, so they, they took care of my expenses um, for traveling down there, and uh, they covered my meals and gas and everything. I just had to provide my receipts, um, which I did. And, um, you know, I got told my, you know, my expense check was in the mail. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. And I get a text message today from, from my wife. And it says, uh, oh, you got this envelope from Inside Edition. I said, oh, very exciting. It's my, it's my expense check. So she opens it up and it's cash. They mailed me cash. All right. <laughs> Who mails cash? <laughs> Inside edition. Apparently. They're working under the table. What sort of Mickey Mouse operation they're running over there? <laughs> well, they booked you, so <laughs> that's your answer, I think. It looks like it was taken straight from Petty Cash. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations on your uh, cash winnings there. <laughs> Thank you very much. Untraceable. <laughs> untraceable. Untraceable. All right. So last week we had on Bobby Cruz, Ring of Honor, Ring Announcer, and got some great feedback on that, my friend. Ring of Honor, Ring Announcer, all around degenerate. <laughs> yes. Fall River Zone, Bobby Cruz. Yeah, everybody uh, seemed to enjoy our interview with Bobby Cruz. And thanks again to Bobby for giving us his time. And it will be up by the time you hear this. Bonus time with Bobby Cruz. If you enjoyed episode 105, we did about like over an hour talking to our buddy Bobby Cruz. If you want more, a good 20, 25 minutes more 
with us talking to the Ring of Honor ring announcer, the voice of ROH, Bobby Cruz, that is on our YouTube channel, tinyurl.com slash WPAN YouTube, or we just have it up there on the WPAN.com, our website. Check out the WPAN.com. That is the hub. That's where you go to get all of your wrestling podcasts about nothing needs on the WPAN.com. So find bonus time with Bobby Cruz there. Imagine if the stuff that hit the cutting room floor would ever get out, Mike. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Some, some of the stuff cannot be shared with a wider audience. <laughs> but it was fun. It was a fun time. And here's something, though, that can't be shared with a wider audience. Let me just play this right here. Ah, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play today. Look at me. I can be Bobby Cruz. <laughs> how, much, how much of the past week have you been singing Bobby Cruz songs? <laughs> a fair amount. A fair amount. I think uh, people in our audience have as well. I know Steven at HHH Guy 2004 was doing uh, Real American with Bobby Cruz inserted in. And a number of people that I've heard from are enjoying the Bobby Cruz song as started by one Todd Sinclair, the senior official of Ring of Honor, to uh, torment and annoy. Bobby Cruz on long car rides. That's how we first started doing those Bobby Cruz songs. But Bobby Cruz seemed to enjoy it uh, when we did it in the context of this podcast last week. No, it's because he's an egomaniac. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, takes one to know one, I guess, right? <laughs> Confidence is a beautiful thing, Mike. I hope you find it one day. <laughs> Maybe someday it'll happen for me. Um, you've been all over the place. Were you in Connecticut last weekend? I was in Connecticut. What's going on over there in Connecticut for uh, Northeast Wrestling? Is there anyone that we should be keeping our eye on? I know you talked about before you wanted to perhaps introduce a segment where you talked about wrestlers out there on the scene that people should be watching. Is there anyone that you could think of that we should take a uh, special interest in? So I, I suggest it and then you shoot it down and then you spring it on me. Right. Put your head in the spot. That's how we're doing this. Well, I mean, I mean, some of the usual suspects, Josh Briggs, uh, Flip Gordon, old friend of the show, who I think is a guy who's really stepped it up there, is uh, is Big Bacon himself, Brad Hollister. So there you go. There's a couple names for you, Mike. How's that? There you go. I thought you were going to give me something new. Well, you need more time to prepare, huh? <laughs> I, I guess. I mean, I saw Darby Allen there uh, a few shows back, and he was he was really impressive. But I think we talked about that a little bit. I think you did. Yeah, you did mention that before. So maybe that was the first edition that we uh, <laughs> kind of just slipped in there without even really knowing it. All right, Kingpin, uh, you're off the uh, you're out of the hot seat. All right. Oh, I thought you were gonna say I was off bread. <laughs> you're, you're off bread. Uh, but if you want to help the Kingpin get some bread, give him some bread by going to BrianMalonis.com, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Give me your bread or money. I take money too. Cash apparently. Send me cash. Say yes. Mail me. Mail me your cash, and I'll mail you a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you go to brianmalonis.com and check out the T-shirt selection for the Kingpin. You got the Mastodon T-shirt, the brand new Mastodon T-shirt, which has eerily similar colors to another very popular T-shirt that's out there right now, the Bullet Club. 
Hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody else has ever used black and white on a t-shirt like ever. <laughs> you know, you know why it's black and white because it's very cheap <laughs> to print. <laughs> yeah, you can expect a lot more one-color t-shirts from uh, the old kingpin in the future. <laughs> so you're saying that's where the similarities end? What's it with me and the Bullet Club? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I, there's a couple members of the Bullet Club who better watch out for the old kingpin at, at Ring of Honor. Or it all in, right? Are you booked, right? <laughs> I don't know. You're trying. You're trying. <laughs> <laughs> I did try to uh, retweet and say we're waiting with bated breath, but nothing yet. They're they're nothing still announcing yet. names. There's still a chance. <laughs> there is still a chance. So you're saying there's a chance? What was all that one in a million talk? <laughs> <laughs> so not closing the door yet on all in. Thankfully, okay, Kingpin. It's time to get right into the show. And so as you know, and I have no problem admitting this, Brian, I love the dirt sheets. That's what some people call insider wrestling newsletters and news sites. It's what I do. Gotta check the dirt sheets. Love a good sheet. I've been knee deep in this stuff since the day I found out they existed. You... Not so much. So, with that in mind, I present to you the wrestling podcast about nothing's most celebrated segment, America's Game. We're doing the dirt sheet shuffle. Get it out of your system, Mike. It's the one and only time. (laughs) Yes, because if you pull off a victory here, you will not allow me to sing the song for the big close of the segment. I like to think I'm sparing our audience. (laughs) Well, we'll see about that. It's a public service. (laughs) Well, we'll see what you can uh, pull off here, Kingpin. You have done this 17 times, my friend. The Dirt Sheet Shuffle is legal after today? Yes. And you are eight and nine. Oh, boy. So if you can pull it off this time, Brian... You'll be at 500. It's been a while. Yes, and we have been at this point before, and you failed. So this is your <laughs> chance to, for the first time, I believe, get above 500 or get to 500. I'm like, I'm like Tuka Rask in Game 7s. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you don't even know what that means. No, no I don't. <laughs> but this is number 18 of the Dirt Sheet Shuffle, Brian, and here's how it works. I'm going to read to you Three news stories from the pro wrestling news sites, that's news with a Z, from around the internet. What did Meltzer say? <laughs> Meltzer says, which one of these did not actually get reported? Which one of these items was not a part of the dirt sheets? It doesn't matter if it's true, if it's false, it's just what wasn't actually reported. Brian... Can you separate the news from the ruse? I'm not sure you can. We shall see. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That was a long delay there, my friend. (laughs) We'll find out in mere moments. And to everyone out there listening, play along with the kingpin. See how you do in the dirt sheet shuffle. All right, here we go with story number one. Nicholas may be back in school. But there's a new kid on the block. 
James Ellsworth was a part of a popular YouTube series and found himself confronted by a cagey eight-year-old kid by the name of Kane. Through Hellfire and Brimstone, Kane had a brief match with Ellsworth for his intergender championship. Don't ask, it's best not to think too hard about these things. Though Kane chokeslammed James straight to hell, or at least a foot or two down to the mat, in the end, thankfully, Nicholas remains the youngest champion in history as the Rugrat did the J-O-B to James E. That is story number one. Your initial thoughts, Kingpin. Hmm. My, 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 my initial thoughts here? Yes. I smell a rat, but we'll see. All right, we'll see. Let's move on to our second story in the Dirt Sheet Shuffle. If Impact Wrestling was looking to make news with a media call, there was only one man to put on the phone. Big Papa Pump, Scott Steiner. (laughs) Scotty started hot by telling the Impact PR guy to fuck off. (laughs) But the topper was when he launched into a promo on Conan, who manages the team he was set to wrestle at the recent Redemption pay-per-view, saying that Conan would be carrying his bags and mowing his lawn after the match was through. Yes, nothing quite makes an impact like rampant racism. (laughs) Holler if you hear me. (laughs) And that is story number two, my friend. What are you thinking? I actually think I heard something about this. Uh, I forget who, I don't know if it was a podcast I was listening to, or somebody was talking about, made a comment about about letting Scott Steiner do PR. So I think, I think I've heard something about this. So I, I, but we'll see. I, who knows? You, you, you change parts of stories at times, too. So, All right, let's move on to story number three, then. Corey Graves, WWE superstar? Yes, yes, yes. The return of Daniel Bryan has inspired thousands, but maybe none more so than WWE announcer Corey Graves, who was forced to retire due to issues with concussions in 2014. The former Sterling James Keenan worked the indies for nine years before getting the call to the WWE, and he feels he never got the chance to show what he could do on the big stage. Now, Corey has been directed by Daniel Bryan to the right doctors, and he is hopeful that his full clearance and his WrestleMania moment will be coming soon. That is story number three. All right, Brian, before we get your thoughts and your answer, your pick for the false, for the fake, for the ruse story, let's review them. Story number one, James Ellsworth has a match on YouTube with an eight-year-old, and thankfully the kid put him over. Story number two, Scott Steiner on a media call with Impact Wrestling, making a racist remark about Conan. And story number three, Corey Graves is in the process of um, getting checked out with doctors to hopefully make an in-ring return with WWE. Brian, you know how we do it. You talk us through it and lead us up to your pick. So let's get moving. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, I think we can eliminate story number two right from the get-go here. I'm, I'm almost positive I, I, that that's true. I'm pretty sure I heard something about that. So, oh, I thought you know, I thought I smelled a rat with story number one, but now story story number two stinks pretty bad to me. You know, I know you didn't have a lot of time to to put this together tonight, and and story number three is the exact type of thing I think you might throw together. To try to throw me off the scent, but I but I feel like it's a lazy attempt to try to uh, pull one past me here, Mike. I'm gonna go ahead and change course and no doubt regret it. <laughs> right. I'm gonna go ahead and say I smell the rat. Story number three. It's a. I, I feel like this is a lazy attempt at you in a in a fast throw together of a dirt sheet shuffle because uh, you were pressed for time. So story number three is the fake story, Mike. Lock it in. Wow, this might be the most swift judgment in Dirt Sheet Shovel history here. I, f- I feel pretty confident about it. You did not waver at all. All right, Kingpin, you pick story number three. You say Corey Graves is not on his way back to a WWE ring if he gets cleared by doctors. All right, Brian. The Kingpin. You are. Correct, you son of a bitch. Yes, 500, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it. I knew as soon as I heard it. (laughs) What do you mean a lazy attempt? (laughs) It was all this work I do. It's a quick, it's a quick, easy uh, thing to do there. And I know how your mind works, buddy. Oh, boy. I got your number. You got my number, huh? Nice heel laugh. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. And I wonder how everyone else did out there. Did you pick number three out there? Let us know at the WPAN on Twitter. Hashtag WPAN. Hashtag Dirt Sheet Shuffle. Let us know what you thought. If this was a lazy attempt, as the kingpin likes to say. (laughs) I, I take a great exception to that. Well, yes, Brian, you are now at nine and nine. We've done this 18 times. You are at 500, a chance to go into the positive next time we do the Dirt Sheet Shuffle. How you feeling? Feeling good, buddy. I'm on a roll. Can't be stopped. Can't stop, won't stop. Uh, yes, I think that is two in a row. I think you got the win last time as well. I was well below 500 at some point, too. So uh, this has been quite a little run I've been on here. A meteoric rise for Brian Malonis. And we'll see if it continues next time we do the Dirt Sheet Shuffle. But until then, I will not be singing the closing theme. Because you did it, Brian. You did it. Congratulations. You are the Dirt Sheet Shuffle champion once again. Ah, Feels good, buddy. Feels good, feels good. Crotch, crotch, crotch. (laughs) All right. We want your feedback, folks. As I mentioned, tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your take on this week's episode. What you thought of the Dirt Sheet Shuffle? What you think about what we're talking about coming up? Use that hashtag WPAN and share your thoughts with us on social media. But the best way to share your thoughts with us, use the voicemail line. 401-584-9726. Just dial 401-584-WPAN. You leave us a voicemail. We take it. We receive it. We play it on this podcast. You want to hear your voice on this show? 
Call 401-584-9726. Leave a voicemail for the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing is off limits. Ask us a question. Give your opinion. Bury us. Anything you want. Just call the line. 401-584-9726. All right. Booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast with Mike Mills. Yes, twice a week. On Sundays is the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Show Thursdays, their flagship show, mikemills.podbean.com is the hub. And I don't know, Brian, if you heard the news, but me and Mike Mills recorded a little podcast last weekend. I didn't hear that. No, not yet. What was that about? It's a very special podcast for his patrons. Ooh. So there'll be more coming on that soon. Uh, So I guess I'm going to be directing people to go give Mike Mills money. So why not? (laughs) (laughs) You get a cut of that action? I I sure hope so. We'll see what happens. I don't think uh, Doc or Hardbody Harper have gotten a penny yet, so I don't I don't know how well that fares for me. But we'll see. <laughs> Bucket the territory. Uh, stay tuned to at uh, BTT underscore podcast on Twitter for more news on that coming up. Our vantage point: the retro wrestling podcast. Joe Morata and Michael Quinn talking retro wrestling, talking about the old school stuff each and every Monday. Go to ovppodcast.com for more information on our vantage point, the retro wrestling podcast. And also, it's PW. Greetings from Allentown with Peter Winson. Every Thursday, he is analyzing one single episode of wrestling television from the vast history of wrestling on TV. And he puts it in the context of the time. He plays hip-hop songs. He plays Michael Bolton. Anything that is related to the time frame of the episode he is discussing, check out Greetings from Allentown uh, wherever you get your podcasts or on the Place to Be Nation wrestling-only feed. And finally, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast with our friend Jason Stewart plus many, many more. They got stuff going all week long on the Rundown Wrestling Podcast feed. Be sure to check it out and subscribe today. Brian... It's time to talk about works or shoots. But before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsor. People ask me, what do you mean, BDARadio.com? What does the BDA stand for? Brutal Days for the Avengers? Yes, Avengers Infinity War opened this past weekend, and Brian and I were on the edges of our seats. Well, Brian, separately at different showings, but I'm sure it happened, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm going on your, I'm going on your dime. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. Anyway, folks, here are the spoilers. BDA Radio gives you the most unique commentary on mixed martial arts and pro wrestling on the internet. They don't break news, they break the news with their wild commentary regarding MMA and wrestling. Head over to BDARadio.com and check out all the latest news on UFC, Bellator, WWE, and much more. I'm throwing down the gauntlet. You'll find no website better than BDARadio.com. All right, Brian. Once a month, or thereabouts, we ask the listeners and followers at the WPAN on Twitter to vote on one of four topics for us to discuss at length here on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. And you picked the four topics, Brian. And the winning topic this time, we mentioned it at the top, work or shoot. 
why don't you explain how this is going to work? Yeah, so uh, I thought it was a be a pretty cool concept for us to kind of go through some of the um, some of the more controversial moments in pro wrestling history where there's been a uh, where there's been a question of what you're seeing is quote unquote real or not. So we're gonna bring them up, we're gonna discuss them, and we're gonna give our take on was it a work, Mike, or was it a shoot? How was that? <laughs> if you could do a little song, that would have been a little better. Just to- <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian. Let's get right into this. The first work or shoot. Brian Malonis and the one man thrill ride. <laughs> I, th- I think we've already talked about whether it was a work or a shoot. Did, were you th- were you still with the company at that point? Uh, I don't think so. No. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So yeah. It it, it was. Uh, well, I mean, I guess what we were saying was was some of the material was was based in truth, but that's what makes a good work shoot, right? It's based in truth, but uh, no, it was absolutely a work. Um, I uh, I said some things about Jimmy Preston. We had gone over exactly what I was going to say before we went out there, and uh, yeah, it was good. And even even Mark Douglas played his part well uh, in it. Uh, but the the looks on the people. In the audience was uh, was pretty good, and and I got a lot of messages from from people who thought it was uh, real in the wrestling business. We kind of carried it over to social media. We just were trying trying something fun, create a little buzz, you know, maybe for one match, and then Jimmy decided never to wrestle again. So it was all for naught. But I think we would have probably done pretty good numbers, uh, especially with his following with Barstool Sports. I was getting lots of lots of like people just eviscerating me on social media (laughs) (laughs) all in the name of jimmy preston so i I think it would have brought out a good a good contingent of uh his followers some who like wrestling some who don't uh it would have been good but no it was all it was all for naught but uh me and the one man throw right are good I, i like jimmy a lot and uh Kudos to him for going out and, and, and doing the whole boxing thing on that rough and rowdy pay-per-view. But uh, no, I'm sorry, buddy. That was a work. Yeah, I think One Man Thrillite actually talked about it on his podcast, too, that I heard. The Absolute Savage podcast. Oh, he talked about me and him? Yeah. yeah I think it was like his first episode. Oh, really? What did he say? Did he bury me? <laughs> no, no, no. He put you over. He put you over. He said how, you know, how you did like a work shoot kind of thing. And I think uh, that's kind of the theme, I think, of a lot of this stuff. Stuff that was probably rooted in something that's true, but then just completely added on to to make it you know, basically a work. Yeah, I, th- I think that there's, there's kind of like that old saying of like working yourself into a shoot. And I think... I, I think in some of these instances, that's exactly what happened. Have you been involved in any shoot activity, my friend? <laughs> oh, can I can I tell this story without? Even if I tell it without names, it might it might give it away. <laughs> really? Come on! <laughs> I'll just say uh, that I um, I was involved in a match. Where I I personally wasn't involved in in the incident, but I was involved in a match where a couple of the guys uh, fought. They fought in the match, <laughs> so um, you know it got under control. But yeah, there was some well some kind of BS going on during the match that I thought was 
nonsense uh, myself, but uh, let's just say, yeah, I was involved in something where a couple of the participants uh, were pretty unprofessional in it. How did it end? Was it just they just decided to get back on the same page or what? The other participants in the match got involved in the match. Uh, it was a tag team affair, a multi-person affair. So, you know, other people got involved in the match and they didn't have to wrestle each other the entire time. And you just kind of washed your hands of the whole thing. You just kind of sat there and watched it happen. I didn't want any part of it. No, it's not involving me, and and nor would I ever be involved in something like that. Unless the only the only way I'd be involved in something like that is if I thought somebody was intentionally trying to hurt me. Other than that, I don't I don't want any part of that bullshit. Like, what if someone were to start shooting on you? How do you handle that as a pro wrestler? How would I handle it? I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'd probably just kick him in the nuts or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, you know, boy, it's it's been so long now. But Killer Kowalski would teach guys different different ways to protect themselves to kind of hook people. But I mean, Jesus, I don't. I, it's been so long, and I haven't exactly ever really had to had to use it. But I'd, I'd like to think in that sort of situation, I'd be able to to protect myself if if need be. I mean, I mean, for me, I would try to gain control of the situation by probably laying on the guy. And if, if I'm being perfectly honest, I, I'm a big guy. And if I put my weight on you, you might not, you might be, have a hard time getting up. <laughs> and has there ever been a moment where you've lost your cool and perhaps been less than professional in a ring? Um, I've never, no, I've never intentionally tried to hurt somebody in the ring. I, I, I got, you know, I've, I've definitely given receipts, but most of my receipts tend to be a hard shot in a safe place, which, to me is not unprofessional right no i i have i'm proud to say that i've never intentionally tried to hurt somebody in a professional wrestling ring i think that's completely unprofessional and we talked to me and chase talked about it there were times that we wrestled where we absolutely hated each other and there was never one errant shot by him or me the match never suffered in spite of you know how we may have felt about each other outside of the ring but that's the mark of a true professional business above everything else and the strange irony in pro wrestling is that the guy that you hate the most, you want to be the safest with, so you can't be accused of being unprofessional. But the guy that's your best friend, you will knock the shit out of, correct? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think of, you know, I think of working with you know, some of my buddies, I think of working with Max or, or Handsome, you know, and, and just you know beating the shit out of each other you know and when i did work chase uh, because of the the bullshit between us i was always very careful i didn't you know i wanted to make sure that not, you know yeah exactly nothing can nobody can ever point to it and say you know i'll look him look at him being unprofessional you know and he was the same way yeah you got to take care of it you got to you got to take care of business and that's the business above all else and if you can't be professional you probably don't belong in a professional wrestling ring all right, well, let's get into some of these moments and matches from history. Work or shoot? CM Punk's pipe bomb. Of course, after this happened, it kind of opened up a whole new world. It brought people back into wrestling. People that hadn't watched in a long time, heard about this promo, you know, saw it on social media or whatnot, and it brought them back into the product. This is pointed to a lot of times as something that helped uh, turn the tide a little bit in terms of uh, mainstream exposure. But was it a shoot, in your opinion, Kingpin? Um, so this is, this is the classic work shoot. I, I, 
I, I I'll say this. I believe that that CM Punk probably was speaking from the heart and believed most of, if not all of, what he was saying. It, it felt very real. His delivery was great, and 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 I think knowing all the aftermath of um, you know his relationship with WWE and what's happened since he's left, I don't think it was scripted. I I, I think he was. I, I think he legitimately felt the way he was speaking. Uh, however, I think he was. He obviously was told to go out there and and cut a shoot promo. Um, my guess is there are probably some guidelines on what you can say, what you can't say, but yeah, I think, um, I, I, I think it, you know, it was a worked shoot, meaning they knew what they were doing when they were going out there. It wasn't just him going off the cuff and going off script. Right, right. The entire thing could be a shoot in his mind. Everything he could be saying could be what he believes in the heart, but it's something where backstage says, I'm going to say this, this, and this, or he is told, like you said, say whatever you want. Just don't say this and this. As long as he has clearance with the people in charge, you can't really call it a shoot in my mind. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's 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 not it's not a shoot in the sense that he just went off script and went and went crazy. And I mean, if that if if, if that were the case, it, the promo would have never gone on that long. His mic would have been cut, you know, two minutes into it. Um, and certainly after he's talked about Vince McMahon being dead, dead it would have right. it would have it been cut. But. Um. Yeah, it got it got people talking, and like I said, based on his interviews or the interview he did after the fact, like yeah, I think he absolutely felt that that way. But I'm sure he was given some pretty direct orders on on things not to say as well. Um. But it was a great piece of television. I'll tell you that much. So it was a work shoot. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a work in the sense that they knew he was going out there and doing it. They probably gave him some guidelines. I'm I'm guessing. Um, so I mean, I guess I guess in the, I guess for the purpose of what we're doing, it, it was a work. All right, moving on to Lita, Edge, and Matt Hardy. Everyone recalls this way back <laughs> when we actually talked about this. You mentioned Chase Del Monte just moments ago when we talked to Chase Del Monte, episode 99 of the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. He talked about actually, in a way, being part of this angle where he was the fake Matt Hardy and he was attacked by Edge at a house, couple of house shows in uh, Cape Cod. But the whole storyline, I mean, well, I'm saying storyline. It wasn't a storyline, apparently. <laughs> Matt Hardy and Lita were together and then Edge and Lita had a uh, torrid affair under Matt Hardy's nose while he was injured. So uh, that was the story. And how do you take this one in terms of is it a work or is it a shoot, brother? <laughs> I think it's a shoot that turned into a work. Um, there you go. A, lo- a lot of that was because of the internet and and the fans' response. And I mean, the fact that these the three of them kind of agreed to work together on this is kind of insane <laughs> because... Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if <laughs> I don't know, man. Put in the same situation, boy, I don't, I don't know. Um, do you think there was like pressure, like you know, you better do this or you're out in your ass? <laughs> I, I don't think so because of the people involved. I mean, they they did fire Matt Hardy, but I, I, I couldn't imagine at that point they would have fired Edge. But I also think all of them probably were smart enough to realize, like, wow, we could really make a lot of money with this. Uh, it's really hot right now, and and that's what you're there for. It's a business, but it was a shoot that turned into it turned into a work, and and they let it play out on uh, WWE television because it was already playing out on the internet. So why the hell not, right? 
So no way in your mind that this could have been worked from the get go. I I don't think so. I I my gut feeling. I mean, I guess could it have been? Yes, that was a very that was a very Coach Hollow cool question of you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, could it have been? Yeah, anything's possible. But do I think it was? No. Yeah, it seems just a little too. Remember when? <laughs> remember when they really tried to make the Matt Hardy thing seem really real? And watch me in Ring of Honor. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's how you knew it was a shoot, brother. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I I have to agree. It was a shoot, and this is uh, something that, like I mentioned, something where something happens that's real, and then you just kind of go with it and and work around it. It was a great uh, piece of business, as uh, JR would say, but Lita, Edge, and Matt Hardy, it all came together, and it helped get Matt Hardy rehired, right? It, yeah, it did. Good for him, I guess. And he's still uh, still doing well today and doing something completely different. Uh, you know, Something should be said for the longevity of a guy like Matt Hardy. He's doing wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Brian. The next one on my list here. Hulk Hogan and Vince Russo at Bash the Beach 2000. Now, do you know this entire situation that went down at this pay-per-view? Yeah, I'm familiar with it. There like, they was supposed to be Jarrett versus Hogan, right? And then yeah. Jarrett walked out, threw the belt at him, laid down, conned the three, and then Hogan took the belt and left, and then Russo came out later in the show and cut a big, long promo on him and called him a piece of shit, right? Yes. I mean, a whole lawsuit came out of this thing. I mean, you would think the fact that this was in the court of law, you would know what part of this is a work and what part of this is a shoot. But still, it's Hulk Hogan involved. <laughs> he doesn't know what a, what's a work and what's a shoot, and he works himself into a shoot. I mean, you watch the Andre the Giant uh, documentary, right? Who knows what Hogan believes and what Hogan actually thinks is true and what he's working. But, I mean... I don't put past him lying under oath, but <laughs> but the story is apparently that the part with Hulk Hogan and Jarrett, that was agreed upon, that was a work built to look like a shoot, but then Vince Russo cutting the scathing promo on Hogan afterwards uh, was because of some sort of tiff that happened between Hogan. Hogan left the building and Russo came out and cut a quote-unquote I, I don't know if it's a quote-unquote shoot promo or a legitimate shoot <laughs> promo on Vince Russo because with all these people involved, it's hard to tell. But uh, apparently, Russo buries Hogan on the microphone after this, and this part of it was, according to Hogan at least, uh, shot on him at the pay-per-view. Yeah, I don't know how much of that I believe. I think this was a, it's funny. We've all, we've had a little bit different kind of uh sorts of things here. You know, we had we had the CM Punk thing that was a worked shoot. We had the Matt Hardy Lita thing that was a a shoot that turned into a work and this is a classic working yourself into a shoot, I think. <laughs> um I think I think the entire thing was was an angle that and then maybe some other bullshit happened and and that's how it ended up in court and they were trying to present a shoot, so why not? If you're Hulk Hogan, you're trying to sue them. Why not use it as ammunition after the fact? But I think this was—I think this was a work that you know. I think they worked themselves into a shoot. 
I would tend to agree. But again, with Hulk Hogan, who knows what's true and what's false? It is Hulk Hogan after all. Uh, let's move on to the mass transit incident. ECW. Are you familiar with this situation, my friend? Yeah, I'm familiar with yeah with the situation. I don't know, you know, I, I've never seen it or anything like that. But I, I, I guess I know more of it than I know than I have like intimate knowledge of it. Well, it took place down the road here in Revere, Massachusetts. Our good friend Rich Palladino was was there, right? I believe it was his first night as the ring announcer for <laughs> ECW in the Northeast. What a way to be uh, christened as part of uh, christened in blood as part of uh, the ECW experience. Uh, yes. Yeah, so this whole story, Eric Kulas was the kid's name. He was underage, I believe. He was under 18. And he showed up at Wonderland Greyhound Park saying he wanted to work, saying he was trained by Killer Kowalski, and, you know, he wanted to have a match. So he was put in the ring. Uh, apparently, uh, someone didn't show up. So he ended up as part of a tag team match. And on the other side of the ring was New Jack. And New Jack wanted the kid to get color, he wanted the kid to bleed. And. The kid had never bladed before, so New Jack said, I'll do it for you. And the kid said, gee, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> uh, well, he bled, and he bled, and he bled, and it was a heck of a scene. And the kid's father was in the audience screaming out that he's he's only 17 years old or whatnot, and it ended up again. We just talked about the, the court of law. This ended up going to court as well. It, you know, the family of Eric Kulas sued New Jack uh, for what he did in the ring. And this thing is really something else that's kind of hard to decipher. If this was a work that turned into a shoot, it was a work that they attempted to sue him, saying it was a shoot. This this one's tough to figure out. What do you? What's your take on this one? I mean, knowing what I know about it, I, I think, and if you believe this, all this kind of stories you hear about New Jack, I'm guessing he probably just went too far. Um, that's you know, took advantage of somebody, went too far, and turned into just this crazy thing. But yeah, I mean, everything I've heard about it, it that, that's exactly what happened. It was it was a complete shoot, and it was just New Jack just going way too far with with somebody. Yeah, I mean, from what I hear, it was uh, a work in terms of the fact that the kid agreed to be cut. The kid agreed to be in the match with New Jack. He agreed to be cut by New Jack, but the blade job was horrific, and I think that's where the tide turned, and New Jack started spouting off, saying, you know, hope the kid dies, all this other stuff. It was, uh, like I said, a crazy scene. And this is something that I think began as a work, but it got to a point where it turned into a shoot. This is another way. It's, we're hitting like a, this thing from a hundred different angles here. It's very strange. The, this was, in my mind, something that started out as a work, but ended up being taken to a place where it turned into a shoot, at least for one of the participants involved. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a pretty, probably pretty accurate description of what happened here. And just to uh, clarify, the kid was not a Kowalski trainee. He just said he was a Kowalski trainee. <laughs> he just played one on TV. 
yeah. Well, that one didn't make it on TV, my friend. It didn't even make it on, on videotape. Uh, so they uh, kind of tried to uh, burn all footage of the Eric Kulas incident, the mass transit incident from history. But uh, some of it still got out there and people have seen it and it is brutal. I wouldn't suggest uh, having a nice Sunday dinner and then taking a look at the <laughs> mass transit video. Uh, Maybe yeah. don't watch that one with the kitties. No, 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 yes. Send all children out of the room. Uh, all right, moving on, Brian. Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman. This one has been kind of uh, talked about at length. It's been a feature film done about it, documentaries done about it. Specifically, though, the David Letterman show. Have you seen this clip? Yes. Yeah, I've seen the real clip, and then I've also seen, you know, I've seen the movie as well. So Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman came on the Late Night with David Letterman show and Lawler slaps Kaufman hard as hell, makes a huge sound. He falls out of his chair. Kaufman walks off set, comes back screaming obscenities at Jerry Lawler. And this one has been kind of debunked by the by Jerry Lawler himself as a work, even though at the time it was thought to be a complete shoot. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I think the the movie and then Jerry Lawler talking about it let everybody in on the fact that yeah, this was this was a complete wrestling angle, was a complete work. Um but at the t- I, I mean, I, it must have been so so cool at the time. Um I mean, especially if you think about wrestling in the south and Memphis, you know. Memphis, to see Mr. Lawler. <laughs> but um it must have been crazy. Like, I mean, it, for them to do that at that at that point, we were, talk, we're talking the was was it into the early eighties or was this the late seventies? This is the eighties, yeah. It was yeah. So I mean, you're you're talking about a time where a lot of people still did believe, though, especially in in that region. You know, there there was a strong belief already. So now you take it to that degree and you go on national TV with it, and kind of crazy, uh, kind of really cutting edge and ahead of their time, even. And Vince McMahon uh, passed up on it. Too bad, huh? But I, I don't know. I mean, does it have the same? I mean, does it have the same effect? Was that something that was something for the southern crowd? Yeah. Well, I think it's easier for it was easier for Kaufman, I guess, to to play some of the stuff, right? I mean, a lot of it was big city star, and and it, Memphis being a, a southern hick town, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was the perfect storm. Yeah, great stuff, man. I wish. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know what could be the equivalent of it today, but it was it was really great stuff. I, um, I'd love to. I mean, I, and I don't know, if maybe maybe the DVD exists. That'd probably be a fun angle just to go back and watch, actually play out as it as it happened. I'm sure you can find it out there somewhere. All right, let's stick with talk shows, and this is, I think, the most recent thing on our list: Daniel Bryan and The Miz on Talking Smack. You brought this one up to me that you wanted to talk about, Brian. This was uh, the taste of the internet when it happened. Miz cutting this scathing promo on Daniel Bryan on Talking Smack. Uh, what's your take on this one? Yeah, I mean, the fact that it made air for WWE and they and they publicized it kind of leads me to believe that I guess it probably was a work, but the only the only thing the only thing that casts some doubt in my mind is, especially at that point, there were absolutely no plans for Daniel Bryan to come back and wrestle. I don't think, at least. So I don't know what the end game would have been, you know, or what you know what it potentially would have been setting up. But 
I mean, the fact that they talked about it and they and and they allowed it to go on makes me believe that that it probably was a work. What 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 do you think, Mike? Well, I think the case here is that Talking Smack was essentially, I believe, an unscripted show, meaning they are just sent out there with a microphone and it's improvisation essentially on that show or was anyway until they t- you know they took it off the air uh, it was on the WWE network after smackdown and the miz just started going at daniel bryan uh, it was it was just some of the stuff he was saying was uh, stuff that no scriptwriter could come up with or would come up with but i mean i can understand people thinking Wow, this stuff, this is true to life. This is stuff that shouldn't be said, so this has to be a shoot. But again, I think this is something that Miz might believe, but it's something that, hmm, this is hard to say because I'm not sure that he would have cleared this with Daniel Bryan before the show. Yeah, I mean, I think I think some of it is trying to get some, maybe some buzz for people to actually watch you know, actually watch that show on the network. Yeah, this might be something where it's like, uh, you know, ask for forgiveness afterwards. <laughs> Just go out there and cut this promo. Maybe he's, like you said, he's egged on by the producer saying, hey, we need, we got to do something to uh, get some buzz going. So hit Daniel Bryan with this and that. And then he does it. And then maybe afterwards he goes, Daniel Bryan, hey, sorry, man. This is what they asked me to do. Uh, it, it really, like you said, doesn't make sense because at this time there was no way. I mean, of course, he's back in the ring now. But at this time, there was no plans for Daniel Bryan to feud with The Miz as it seems like we're going to get that feud going finally. But at this time, there were, yeah, there was nothing. There was no possible payoff for this whole thing. So it makes you think even more that it was a shoot. But I think in the end, I mean, it was, this one's tough because I think (laughs) he might have just said it and then apologized afterwards. So, I, I mean, could you say it was a shoot? Oh, I mean, hmm. I still think it's a work. I think it was a work. I think it was done maybe to try to draw some some attention to that show and get and get people watching it and talking about it. Right. I mean, and I know Miz doesn't like hate Daniel Bryan, but he he would said some things that I can believe that Miz would think were facts. So, seemingly seemingly <laughs> to the untrained eye to the untrained ear but yeah so <laughs> all right i guess we'll we'll move on from that one i, gotta, uh, I like i like that like it's got you in knots a little bit that one a little bit a little bit okay this one we recorded immediately after seeing and we didn't know what we had seen and that is kind of the <laughs> mark of something that is a shoot which you know it doesn't compute Essentially, it was Brock Lesnar versus Randy Orton. What was that? Was that a SummerSlam? I think, yeah, I think it was last SummerSlam. Yeah. And of course, Lesnar opens Orton up hard way with hard shots to the head. We actually saw that at WrestleMania again with Roman Reigns, but we kind of knew what we were looking for that time. This was a whole new world, just blood on the WWE pay per view, which was. Uh, a big no-no as far as we knew, besides, you know, the errant bloody nose here and there. But this, yeah, this one kind of perplexed us at the time. But what's your take on it now in retrospect? Is it a work or a shoot, brother? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know retrospect now. I I think it was something they talked about beforehand, but at the time watching it, I wasn't sure what the hell we had just we had just witnessed at that point. And I, I don't think any of us did. <laughs> it was I remember recording with the group afterwards, not quite sure of what the hell we had just seen. But now you know, if you hear the story, you know, you hear the stories, and you know, seeing WrestleMania especially, I, I think it was something that was talked about beforehand and agreed upon. But it's like, why? You just think logically. Why, with all this stuff, concussions and head injuries. <laughs> Why would they allow, why would they tell Brock Lesnar to hit this guy in the head numerous times full blast? It has to be a shooter, right, Brian? (laughs) Well, I mean, so there's kind of, there could be two schools of thought here, I guess. Did the WWE know it was coming or was this, was it a shooting that two guys went into business for themselves? So here's, here's what I, I guess here's the part that I believe to be completely true and that's, Brock Lesnar did not lose his mind and decide to just fuck up Randy Orton's life. I, I, I think they were on the same page with it. Now, maybe the question is, was WWE in on it? Did they know it was going to happen? Um, but then you look at the fact that they, you know, they zoomed in with their cameras. They didn't shy away from it on camera. Kind of tells you, yeah, yeah, they probably did. And then you hear about uh, Jericho confronting Brock Lesnar in the back after the match. It, it, yeah, I mean, it, I kind of have to agree that, I mean, at least the two of them were on the same page about it. I mean, you didn't hear anything else otherwise after the fact. But curiously, after the WrestleMania match with the Brock and Roman Reigns, you heard about the backstage confrontation with Shane and Vince and Brock were apparently... Brock threw the belt at the wall or something like that. I'm not sure anything more has come of that story, or I'm not sure the complete validity of that story. But if yeah, if you believe that was you know that actually happened, or and if it did happen, what what was that? Was that a work or a shoot? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why, why you'd work people backstage, but it's happened plenty of times to work your your precious dirt sheets, Mike. Oh, well, because that's fun to do, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> just let people report the news you can't understand for the life of you why a wrestling company whose secrets have been outed by uh these dirt sheets for years wouldn't take some pleasure in getting them to report false things you can't understand that at all if they want to be taken seriously as entertainment we talked about last week they are the redheaded stepchild of the entertainment industry if they want to be taken seriously they have to be okay with being reported on as an entertainment entity. It goes beyond that, and you know it. You you've never read stuff about some guy who doesn't know you know fuck all about pro wrestling, talking about it like he's like he like he has any clue what goes on behind the scenes. It's the same thing as like those you know soap opera little magazines you get at the checkout counter saying, "Oh, this is what's going on behind the scenes at Bold and the Beautiful." <laughs> it's the same thing. Uh, where do your loyalties lie, Michael? I, I'm starting to see where they lie. Oh Jesus Christ! All right, let's get tell down. your buddy. Tell your buddy Dave Meltzer. Hi. I will do that. And Dave Meltzer was one of the uh, lead reporters on this one. Our final work or shoot, of course, we have to do it. The Montreal 
screw job, my friend. This one was another one that as the pay-per-view went off the air, I mean, of course, we weren't doing a podcast at the time. Podcasts weren't uh, in existence, but that was one where at the end we were like, what the hell did I just see? Yeah, I mean, I was, boy, at this point, I was like, I, I probably I think I probably just turned 16 or was close to turning 16. I, my, my birthday is in November and it would have been right around this time. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was I was smart to wrestling in that. Like, I had a buddy who was already training, and and that I, this was this was the first real thing I remember like reading about like on the internet. We had just gotten the internet, and I, I think WWE.com even like ran stuff about maybe that being Bret Hart's last match. Am I am I misremembering that, or is that was this keyword WWF on AOL? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe at this point. Um, they, yeah, there were rumors. Uh, they were, the news is already out that Brett was leaving. Yeah, and um, watching it as you know, as as a kid. Well, I was watching. <laughs> I was watching it with uh, friend of Faye okay. and uh, and his mom, who they like to fancy themselves as uh, friends of the of the Hart family. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Too long of a story to get into on this podcast. I see, <laughs> so some things need to stay buried in my past. But um, <laughs> yeah, so they were they were very upset about this. They were they were they were very very upset about this. They got on the phone to the hard host immediately. Um, I uh, <laughs> yes. i'm not kidding all right (laughs) so that was their source of pride that they had the number to the heart house and they would call up and uh, i'm I'm not i swear to god i'm not making this up (laughs) they would talk to Stu. uh no the the, helen right that was the mom's name right helen they would call and talk to her and she would humor them she would talk to them on the phone (laughs) like she's probably a lonely old lady at that point you know but yeah, yes. When I, when I say that, yeah, when you say that, yes, that did happen, and I'm not kidding. So let's get the exclusive. What did Helen think about the Montreal Screwjob? Was it a shoot <laughs> I, or a work, brother? I, I I couldn't tell you. I don't. I have no remembrance of what what the actual discussion that they had was, or or what came of it. But I mean, what what do I think? Boy, I, I I've this is one. I got to tell you, I have gone back and forth so many times on what I think what I think this was. I mean, because what, what complicates this one is the Wrestling With Shadows documentary. Right, right. Which, you know, how much of that do you believe is is true as well, you know? I mean, yeah, this is the fact that I have been around uh, video production now for a few years. I've uh, been around for a number of reality shows, and I know what goes into making reality shows quote unquote real. And I mean, anything can be faked on a, uh, on a video shoot, but this, I'm not sure. Uh, This, I think I take it at face value. I think I believe what, uh, what they're selling me here with wrestling with shadows, but what are your thoughts? Oh God. (laughs) Where do you stand this week? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I've gone, I've, I've really gone back and forth like a, a lot of times on this. Um, God, I don't, I don't, 
I don't know. I mean, so I mean, based I will say this, based on listening to the the Pritchard podcast, which which I do take, you know, I understand some of its entertainment, but I I I think I think he's pretty forthcoming on a fair amount of things. You know, some of its entertainment, but I I'm, I'm going to lean with you here. I think I think the I'll you know, I'll take it at face value. I think something really fucked up happened <laughs> and 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 as a result, you know, there was a very ugly situation. Um, so I, I think I think this was a shoot, Mike. I, I think this was Vince McMahon probably doing what he thought was right at the time. And the funny thing about being involved in wrestling, the longer you are, the more you think that everything outside of the wrestling business is as much a work as what's going on inside the wrestling business. <laughs> is that correct? Yes. Well, and the other thing too, I, I think the funny thing about pro wrestling is a lot of times the uh, the stuff that happens in the locker room and the interactions that happen in the locker room are more of a are more of a work than than what happens in the ring. <laughs> yeah, I remember one time uh, I was at Killer Kowalski's school, hanging out with my buddies uh, Steve King, John Rodeo, Kowalski. This is right after the incident with Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield, and Walter, a hundred percent convinced that it was a work. <laughs> well, Walter thought all of sports were a work, though. Everything. All professional sports were a work. He swore up and down that he, a pro football player, um, I don't remember who the pro football player was, told him that pro football was fake, that it was all a work. Yeah, so, and like I said, the more you're involved in the world of wrestling, the more you think everything around you in the world is a work. I know Mike Mills prescribes to that as well, but uh, I think that it shows that we are not completely immersed, we haven't completely lost our minds, because we didn't go run down this list, Kingpin, and say that all this stuff was a complete work. We left uh, it open in our minds that some of this stuff could be at least partially a shoot. So I think that's a mission accomplished there. We are not completely delusional. We have not completely lost our minds thanks to pro wrestling. <laughs> somewhat, somewhat. Some would argue that I never had a mind to lose anyways, so. It's a terrible thing to waste. <laughs> you got to have one to waste first, though. There you go. <laughs> so that is uh, our little segment. Hey, hold on. Before we completely move on, Mike, okay. where, where, where do you fall on the, the validity of Bret Hart not wanting to drop the WWF title? Um... Just the fact I can't lose it in Canada, it's kind of silly. Okay. That, yeah, that's where I fall to. It's, wrestling's fake. <laughs> but I do understand having pride and the fact that a guy who has basically had the entire United States taken away from him, the fact that he he's, he'd look kind of like an asshole. If he but how, how the fucking silly is that, though? He was the hottest heel in WWE, like, and, and, he, and he couldn't reconcile. Like, so that's... Uh, that, that's <laughs> <laughs> but that's my problem with it. Like That's my problem just in general with the, with the Bret Hart sort of story, is the just... Like negotiating to be like a babyface everywhere else and and turn heel and he was this fantastic heel and that that ninety seven like kind of Bret Hart run was I think the the most entertaining Bret Hart ever it was it was so damn good that the Hart Foundation stuff it was I thought it was amazing stuff but just to 
struggle like like to me that's somebody who struggles with separating the difference between a character you play and and I don't know Bret Hart and this is just my perception as, and really my perception as a as a fan of the industry at that time but it, to me it, from everything you read and see and and even listening to his words uh, it seems to me somebody who struggles with separating the difference between like where does the character end and where does the man begin sort of sort of thing but another thing that I've heard too is that Brett would be a lot more agreeable to doing something if Sean wasn't such a fucking dickhead. <laughs> right? Uh, but but I, I think maybe with the title stuff, but does the, the, I don't think Shawn Michaels has anything to do with his reluctance to turn heel and then want to stay babyface you know, in the rest of the world. Although that did add to the storyline, him being babyface in one country and heel in another. Like that was, that was really cool. I don't know. I don't know that anything could ever be created like that again. Like it was so different and cool, but um, yeah, I mean, the Calgary stampede pay-per-view just not only for the matches involved, but the atmosphere, as Bobby Cruz would say, the atmosphere (laughs) in the, uh, in the, that arena was just absolutely fantastic. It's something that, yeah, like you said, probably cannot be recreated now. I, th- I think to me it's like it's like the equivalent of like an actor if they didn't you know take parts being a villain or something. I I, I don't know. It's 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 crazy to me. Essentially, we are actors playing roles. Like, and I I get like not doing things you're not comfortable with, but just being a, a heel or babyface and not being comfortable with one or the other be- because of whatever like it's so weird to me like i get like if there's some controversial storyline you don't want to do or something like i I get that but it just seems silly to me to be at this reluctance to like you know i i I don't know it doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense to me but yeah i think you got to be able to separate fiction from reality at times and and of course you know we fight the good fight of pro wrestling's not fake pro wrestling's not fake which which is not it's like any other form of entertainment it's you're not going to say Star Wars is fake, you know, but it's fiction. It's not real. It's it's not reality. And I think, you know, it's important for us, the performers, to separate that as well as the fans. All right. Well, we want you guys out there to weigh in with your thoughts on all this stuff. The work, the shoot, the Montreal screw job. Let us know at the WPAN on Twitter. Hashtag WPAN. Weigh in with your thoughts. We have to move on. And Brian... It's time for this week's promo about nothing, and I couldn't get the exact year for this, but it is sometime, I believe, in the early 1990s, my friend, and it is coming to us from Japan, Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling, FMW, Brian Malonis, this is Leatherface, this week's promo about nothing. informative there you go that was uh you know just a notch or two below your rick flair's you know your steve austin's your rocks it made as much sense as some ultimate warrior promos (laughs) (laughs) it might have been the warrior under the mask now that i think about it uh yeah leatherface a mainstay in japan 
in the 90s into the 2000s. And it, of course, it was a takeoff of Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. He has a mask on. He's got, as you heard, a, a chainsaw. And yeah, he's doing his thing. And uh, those are the kind of promos you get out of a guy named Leatherface. Hmm. Can he not speak? He's, he's not capable of talking? I think he says, die. <laughs> I think that's what that was. I think that was a word. Maybe he was constipated. <laughs> can be very frustrating. It sure can. <laughs> Not that I would know, Brian. Not that I would know. You're a regular guy? <laughs> <laughs> For the most part, yes. Thank you. Uh, so this one has a special connection to what we've done recently here on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this might not be true, but I believe with, let's say, 85% certainty that Leatherface is Corporal Kirshner. Really? Who we heard last week on the promo about nothing. Yes. (laughs) Because one of the Leatherfaces in Japan was Corporal Kirshner, and he started the uh, gimmick in the 90s. So this may be him, but at the same point, at one point... Kirshner went to jail for six months uh, because he he assaulted a fan and the fan had severe facial injuries. So when Kirshner was in jail, another man by the name of Rick Patterson took on the role of Leatherface. So there are a couple Leatherfaces out there, but if I'm not mistaken, this is indeed the man who snorts two lines of Agent Orange and drinks a quart of napalm. We heard from him last week here on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Corporal Karshner as Leatherface here. So I thought it was a cute little tie-in for the last two weeks of the promo about nothing. So you're going you're to play that promo and then talk about cute? you have a point there Uh, so so yes uh, I want to thank Dave Van Antwerp from the Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast Facebook group for posting that promo that I kind of swiped and put in the promo but nothing thanks very much to Dave and uh, by proxy Joe and Quinn from Our Vantage Point the Retro Wrestling Podcast alright you heard this promo about nothing if you want the full picture find the link to the video in the description of this episode or on our website, thewpan.com. Okay, Kingpin, you are hitting the highways and byways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler, and you got them dates. I do, Mike. This Saturday, May the 5th, I'll be in Haverhill, Massachusetts for Atlantic Pro Wrestling at the Haverhill Kids Fest. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, so that'll be a fun time. Come on out, obviously family-friendly. Uh, wrestling's from 2 to 4, and it's part of the Kids Fest. No separate uh, admission or anything like that for the uh, for the pro wrestling. So come on down, say hi to the Kingpin, buy a t-shirt, buy an 8x10, and come see me do some wrestling. Wrestling kids? Uh, maybe, who knows? Maybe maybe that Nicholas little punk will show up, huh? <laughs> or Kane. <laughs> maybe. And then, Mike, just four days later, buddy, this one's special. Uh, I get to come home to Lowell as part of the Ring of Honor roster. Uh, very cool, very special. Lowell Memorial Auditorium, part of the War of the Worlds tour. So, uh, very excited for this one. Uh, will you be in the building, Mike? I gotta make a couple calls. <laughs> we'll see what we can do about getting you in. I'm sure. I'm sure our good friend Todd can uh, can maybe hook you up. Maybe we'll get you a press pass, Mike. Maybe you come in and do some media. 
Ooh, there you go. Hey, maybe, you know what? Maybe I'll get you the contact of the appropriate person. You can do just that. <laughs> perhaps I will see you there, and perhaps we'll see maybe the listeners, the wrestling podcast about nothing. If you're coming to Lowell Memorial Auditorium on Wednesday night, uh, what is the date again? May the 9th. May the 9th. Then uh, let us know if you're going to be there, and maybe we can uh, do a little meetup at the uh, War of the Worlds show for Ring of Honor. Yeah, like I said, I'm very excited. ROHWrestling.com for ticket info, but uh, pretty excited. Just announced World uh, Ring of Honor World Championship match. Dalton Castle defending against Matt Taven, so another New England guy. So this card will be littered with New England guys, and no city holds quite the place in my heart that Lowell does uh, when it comes to wrestling. So pretty special. It, w- it was awesome to wrestle there um, You know, last year in a much lesser capacity. Um, you know, basically as enhancement talent, <laughs> but to return as an actual member of the Ring of Honor roster, uh, pretty special, pretty awesome. Can't wait to wrestle in front of my friends and family, and and really the the people who have been supporting me the longest in pro wrestling, uh, from a fan standpoint. Just make sure you let them know you're not doing a job that night. yeah we'll see about that (laughs) and then mike just a couple days later that's sunday may the 13th i'll be heading to chicago illinois for ring of honors international tv taping again also part of the war of the worlds tour uh so excited to be uh heading to chicago uh for the first time really other than other than a pass through uh i've never actually been into the city of chicago except the airport so pretty excited to do that and uh you know, again, be part of the War of the Worlds store. Very exciting. Uh, this is a big time, uh, one of the Ring of Honor's most popular, uh, you know, series of events every great year. Great wrestling so. town. Yeah, great wrestling town. And are you going to be there for more than 12 hours this time? <laughs> yeah, I'll, pr- I'll probably be there for about 24 hours. <laughs> there you go. Get out and see the sights. I'll try. I'll try. And then uh, just one more date I want to get out there, Mike. I'll return to Atlantic Pro Wrestling in Newburyport, Massachusetts on Saturday, May the 26th. Uh, I'll be wrestling Todd Sopel uh, in the main event. Uh, so check out uh, AtlanticProWrestling.com and find Atlantic Pro Wrestling on all your social media platforms for ticket and full card information. Former friends, bitter enemies. Is that what's going on here? <laughs> yes. Good friends, better enemies. My goodness gracious. Well, if you want to book the Kingpin, email brianmalonis at comcast.net or DM him on Twitter. He is at brianmalonis. Get the Kingpin, Ring of Honor superstar, Brian Malonis, as part of your wrestling event. All right, Kingpin, we will be back next Monday for episode 107 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Thanks very much for taking a listen. Till next week, he is the Kingpin, Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing.